You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. Come with me into the River Cafe. You see the pink wood oven in the distance, the yellow kitchen, cocktails are being made, prosciutto is being sliced, and there is the quiet buzz of the beginning of an evening, food and friends in a beautiful space. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4 with me, Ruthie Rogers. I'm sitting here with Edward Ennefeld, and you're the editor of Vogue. Thank you for having me. We're looking at the Thames, we're looking at the blue sky, and most of all, we're looking at people who've been not able to come to a restaurant for five months, eating, talking, and having a wonderful time, and that's what we're going to have, Edward. We had your party. I know. Welcoming party to London at the River Cafe to welcome you here. It It was a very beautiful party. I remember something about that night, which was we were talking about whether we could do ravioli as a preemie. And there was a conversation saying, well, you know, fashion people don't eat carbs. They won't eat pasta. Nobody's going to eat the ravioli. They all ate it. Not only did they eat it, they had seconds, seconds and thirds and put on more ravioli on the plate. It was a really magical evening, one of, my, one of the truly magical evenings of my life. Because remember, the issue came out Tell us about when that we were first, here. Tell us about the first issue. It was a love story, really, to Great Britain, the country that sort of took my family in and took me in. And we celebrated everybody from Naomi Campbell to Steve McQueen to Kate Moss. And we had Adjoa on the cover. It was a beautiful night. And I think people... You know, again, over food, over, over wine. Food. The food you wanted to be sharing plates. You I wanted know. people to have antipasti. People, there's a misconception that fashion people don't eat, but that's not true. It's not true. And so what do you feel about food and fashion? Is the idea that in order to look good in clothes, you have to be thin, or you have to, right. to look elegant, you have to be a certain look, or models have to look a certain way. And that would mean denial of food. It would yeah. say, in order to look that way, don't eat. Oh. Yeah, what's that story? Historically, you know, there was like, you know, to be fashionable, you shouldn't eat. When you look at, at least my Vogue anyway, it's everybody's welcome. You know, all shapes, all sizes, all colors. And what I love now is, Three years later, when you look in all the other magazines, they all everybody's also welcoming yeah. in all the other magazines. That, that that strict thing of oh, not being able to being a, a certain size, being mm. size zero is the perfect. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Even the idea of being a model's changed. How you can be short, you can be curvy, you can be, you know, you can be disabled. Mm. Literally, to watch that industry change for me is one of the great things about you know, doing my job. 
Well, do your job, but you made that. You did it out of empathy and sympathy and knowledge yeah, of yourself. And so I think that you have to take the credit for that, oh, you know, in a beautiful you. way. But has it been a struggle to get... You make it sound rather seamless that that this is what's happened in other... But it, has it been a struggle for stores or for designers? No, I mean, designers now know that they've missed out on a whole market. Mm. Mm. Of, from size 14 to 16, they've, they've missed out. Mm. Why would you want to miss out on a section of, of a population that can make your business yeah. even better? Yeah. So now designers have really sort of like, oh my God, they've wisened yeah. up. Okay, I just knew that the world we lived in just wasn't that, just wasn't that world anymore. Yeah. You know, you have, you have to be a certain size or, yeah. or a certain yeah. color or, you yeah. know. And, and I love the, the new generation. I mean, you're they're eating, it. aren't they? The new generation. I, I was here the other fantastic. day. Yeah. You know, so yeah. welcoming and so, so open. So, you know, the industry's changing. It's not perfect. But at least they're now, you know, what happened last summer? You know, Black Lives Matter. And so now, you know, companies are now realizing because they have to hire people from diverse backgrounds behind mm. the scenes and not just... So the, mm. to watch it change slowly, it's quite great. You know, conversations that are being had now never would have been had about 10 years ago. We, we deal with sort of topics that real women are passionate about. Because you grew up in Ghana, so tell me about the food of Ghana. What are so your memories? I spent my first sort of 11, 12, 12 years in Ghana. And I remember everything being spicy. Uh-huh. I remember everything being peppery. I remember, you know, lots of sort of carbohydrates and lots of soups. Lots of uh-huh. Ghanaian soups are very different because you need actual meats in them. Mm-hmm. So like a chicken soup or... A, uh-huh. A lamb soup, you know. I remember just literally chewing through bones and mm. skin, and and that's really comforting for me. Yeah, I think food. You know, we always talk about food being a connection, yeah. food being delicious, food yeah. being adventurous and exciting. But it is comfort, and it's and and the memories that you have. Who would your mother? Would your mother cook for you? Who so funny, my mother. My mother didn't cook so much, but my grandmother did. Ah. so growing up. In Ghana, my grandmother would always cook, and she would always cook in these huge... I think that's why I love going to restaurants. She would always cook in these huge pots, and mm. she would never cook for just the family. Mm. It would be aunts popping in, uncles popping in. There's something about Ghana. The minute food is ready to go, all of a sudden, your aunts and uncles appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So food for me became sort of a way of socializing. as a very, very shy kid and to this day you know going out coming to the river cafe just just fills me with i don't know happiness really did, did your grandmother live with you she lived with us um and then we moved to england she didn't live with us when we moved to england but when we got to england my brother took over cooking duties oh. and again you know it was always sort of very meaty um yeah and your mother didn't cook she was a seamstress. She was yeah. busy working. A seamstress. Just busy making clothes. I mean, pretty much kind of what I do now. <laughs> yeah. She just worked all the time. My brother would cook sometimes, and my sisters would take turns. What about your father? Never cooked. Never. I never, never. I don't cook either. And you don't. 
Somehow I miss the cooking gene. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah. I can really eat. But you have so. an eating gene. <laughs> as you can tell, I have an eating gene. So you can have one or the as other. As you, I always think if you have the eating gene, very often if you have the eating gene, then you do need to learn to cook because sometimes if you don't have somebody to cook for you, you're in restaurants, you do whatever you do. But that's why I love going to restaurants. Yeah, and that's why you love restaurants. Food is love and love is food. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Did you grow up in the city? Uh, in I grew up in Lubbock Grove, West London. Yeah, and what about in Ghana? In Ghana, we grew up in the military base called um, Burma Camp. Was your father in the military? So it was really weird growing up in Africa, but not really living in the city, but living in a military base because my mm. dad was in the army. Mm. So it was kind of a surreal kind of mm. upbringing. Yeah. Um, and then we moved to London and we lived... Um, first, we lived in sort of Victoria for a few months, opposite the Chelsea Barracks. Mm. Oh, yeah. Then we moved to Labrook Grove, and that's when life really began. Oh, my God, Jamaican food, rice and peas, jerk chicken. Yeah. I mean... So that exposure, it's very, it's interesting how people leave their, you know, we, we've talked to lots of people in these conversations who say that they had the home cooking for the first, you know, the student years are growing up, their memories of their parents. And then, and then there was a kind of explosion of food and adventure and trying, trying. Yes. But did you, before we leave Ghana, did you bring Ghanaian food with you? What did, yes, was I mean, that the food that you still ate when you yeah, came I mean, I with remember. you to a foreign country? How old were you when you came? Twelve. Oh, you were twelve. Yeah, but I remember, I always say I felt a sift. I lived in two countries. I mean, if anybody who's been an immigrant will, let, will you know, mm. will attest to this. You literally are at home and you're mm. eating the flavors of Ghana, and you're having things like fufu and what's like, fufu? It's like a dough. And Ghanaian food is sort of made out of um, a lot of pulp. Okay. So like you know cornstarch mm. into pulp with soups. So you're having that, and then mm. the minute you leave your house, you're in yeah. England yeah. where you have. Sausage rolls, yeah. and you have um, chips, and you have yeah. um, pork pies. So I just love this duality, and this you duality is really yeah. the person I am today is made from that duality. 
in every aspect of my life. And it started with food. Yeah. So in Ghana, I felt, you know, at home I was eating Ghanaian food. I felt Ghanaian, you know, yeah. parents speaking Ghanaian. And then the minute I left the house, I would be in England yeah. with food that I loved, comfort food. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my life's just been like that. And, and would you bring friends home to experience Ghanaian food? I'd bring food? friends home, but Ghanaian food's quite specific. Okay. You either take to it or you don't. Yeah. And friends will come in. They, they always love jollof rice. I don't know if you know what jollof rice is. It's this famous, uh, it's almost like a tomato rice. Mm-hmm. And it's a competition between Ghanaians and Nigerians. Oh. It's called the jollof wars. Who makes the best? Oh. Jollof rice. So friends will come and they'll eat that. Um, what is, so it's a rice with tomato, did you it's say? It's made with tomatoes and spices and sauce. And the color is sort of orange. Like an orange colour. But it's very famous. And what's the Nigerian version? Nigerians think this tastes better than Ghanaian. Oh, but it's the There's same. literally whole wars going on about it. I say that. Jira would have said that. He would he, say Nigerian. Was, yeah, oh, I we'll have it. to have a little uh, rice off. And I remember yeah. lots of okra in everything. Um, oh, yeah. And I never had, I, I, I never ate salads growing up. Every kind of, you know, Ghanaian vegetables are always cooked. Right. You know, right. cooked and stirred and beaten to an yeah. inch of his life. So, eating salads was always. Um, but would you I, go to the market? Would, would there be markets? Would you get oh off the my base? God, yeah, I'll, and go my to mother the... every Saturday would take me to Brixton Market. They had a sort of big African. Yeah. You could buy meats, you could buy, you mm. know, fish, mm. you could buy clothes. And every weekend was spent with my mum we were very close in Brixton and I remember just Bob Marley the music of Bob Marley and Peter Tosh this, that really made up my early teenage years but, and then my mum would be looking through the meats essentially trying to yeah. find the best cuts and the best I think that as you say every immigrant my, my family came from Eastern Europe yeah. in the, you know, to the United States to New York yeah. and they cooked the food yes. of their country yes. and Food is culture, it's isn't culture. it? It tells you the story. When you arrive in a country and you go to the market, it tells you about the culture. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to River Cafe, Table 4. In each episode, my guest reads a recipe they've chosen from one of our cookbooks. I'm going to read the recipe for the veal shin slow cooked with barolo and sage. Serves eight people. You need two veal shins, extra virgin olive oil, a bunch of fresh sage, 
four bay leaves, four garlic cloves peeled, one bottle of Barolo, 350 grams peeled plum tomatoes, drained of their juices, very important. The longer this cooks, the better. You need to preheat your oven to 200 degrees centigrade. Heat an oven-proof pot. Then you season the shins with sea salt and black pepper. Add five tablespoons of olive oil and the shins to the pot and fry until brown all over. Turn in the shins every few minutes. Add the sage, bay and garlic. Pour in the wine. Put the shins in facing down. Add the tomatoes and cover with greaseproof paper. Transfer the pot to the oven. After one hour, turn the shins over and reduce the temperature to 150 degrees centigrade. Cover and cook for a further two hours, basting the shins a couple of times to keep the meat moist. The veal shins are ready when the meat falls away from the bone. Serve with the marrow from the bone. Ah, oh, thank you. It's beautifully <laughs> read. So if all, you know, if the recipes that you've cooked from the River Cafe book yeah. and that you've eaten in the River Cafe, I think you have had feel a lot, haven't yes. you? You do have it when you come in. But was there something, was it the comfort? What was it that made yeah. you choose this recipe I mean, amongst uh, all the others? I mean, I find... Veal, very comforting anyway. I like, I love comfort food, you know, whether it's veal or... I'm definitely a carnivore. <laughs> but it reminds me great memories of my grandmother and my mother sort of, you know, cooking always, meats. And... Did they? Yeah. I think that, as you say, every immigrant... My, my family came from Eastern Europe, in yeah. the, you know, to the United States, to New York, yeah. and they cooked the food yes. of their country. Yes. and. And I think that you bring... It's interesting that you say that, because you do bring the... Food is culture, it's isn't culture, it? It's culture. It tells you the story. When you arrive in a country and you go to the market, it tells you about the culture. Yeah. And, you you know, as an immigrant, maybe particularly first generation, will bring it with them. We never mm. went to restaurants, by the no. way. There were so many. There were six of us. So I remember the first time I went to a restaurant, I think I must have been about 16, when I started modelling, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is... What you do here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember being quite frightened. Yeah, but um, what was the restaurant? Do you remember? Sort of, do you remember the restaurant? It was in Ludbrook Grove, definitely. It was a Chinese restaurant. Um, it had two seats. It was next to the next to the tube station, Ludbrook Grove tube station. I can't remember the name. It was really famous. It was there yeah. for about thirty years. Yeah, and you know, you get a little takeaway when you sat. And it wasn't really a proper restaurant, but you sit. You know, they have three tables, and you sit there, and it felt so. Yeah. Glamorous. Yeah, gla- I, I, was, I think that it's interesting. If we look outside here and we see the ease at which you know, people are sitting in a restaurant yeah. where they bring their children. And for me as well, it was a special occasion. Going to a yeah. restaurant. Yes. I lived in upstate New so. York. You went for somebody's birthday yeah. anniversary. And I think it's been such a radical change for... You know, for for us, that that yeah. we see the way restaurants are used, and so after that first experience in a restaurant, and you love it, yeah, and, and then, then what happened? <laughs> I mean, I was modeling, so then I started, you know, sort of traveling and sort of having new friends, and you know, living with Judy Blame, and so my whole life changed. But I remember those 
first few sort of times I ate outside yeah. of my house. And where did you travel to when you were modeling? You were uh, exposed. I mean, where did you get Paris and Italy? The fir- where yeah, did the you first go? place I went to was New York. Uh-huh. Sort of burgers and yeah. oh my god, New York was so much milkshakes and yeah. those Delicious. huge steaks that they have. Yeah. <laughs> Tomahawk steaks. Yeah. And then I'd go to Paris and French cuisine was incredible. I always found French cuisine was delicious, but a little too, what's the word for me? A little too heavy. Yeah, maybe. And I loved Italian food. When I discovered Milan, Mm. I loved Italian food. I loved everything about it. I love Italian food. Do you see restaurants as places where you work? Do you work over food? No. No. Okay, I like that. I can never work. For me, to to put those two together, (laughs) yes. Ruin it for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, work is work, and when I'm in a restaurant, I just need to have That's fun, good. enjoy myself, not have to worry. Mm. So you know, even going out to a restaurant is very special for me. You see, I always dress up. You do. I've never walked into a restaurant and not dressed up. Look at me. That's, my... uh, you look at you look yeah. you're dressed up. So I, what? What is that process? That sort of yeah. idea of growing up. My dad was like, to get on a plane, you have to dress up. To go to a restaurant, wow. you have to dress up. So you never see me in a restaurant, that's, not stuff. That's nice. That's nice. I mean, I don't mind what people wear when they come in and, and either they yeah. can come in a pair of, you know, jeans and a T-shirt. But there, there are people who, and you see, especially in the evenings, you do yeah, see people special. who, and I sometimes say that to the waiters. I say, you know, people put a lot of effort yeah. sometimes to, to, to look really beautiful here. And so yeah. we also have, to, you know, the effort that we, we make. as. So what do you do when you're on a shoot or you're working? In, you know, do you just say, okay, guys, we'll see you in a couple of hours? Or do you oh, sometimes no, you take a little break set? and you, 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 know, yeah. you sit and you eat and then you go back to sit. I don't, I don't eat and look at pictures or anything like you that. Yeah. I need that moment to, to sit. It's one of the few times in the day that I have to enjoy myself, you know. Yeah. Do you find that you can go out to lunch and to dinner? Yes. You might go, you just love it, I'm, yeah. When I lived in New York, I lived in New York for a while. I would be out lunch, dinner, mm. sometimes breakfast too. I just mm. love the whole experience of love being out. And I love do, being do, out. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I really love it, and I love see, looking at people, seeing what people are wearing, seeing just people having fun and enjoying themselves. It's almost like therapy for me. It's therapeutic. Mm. Mm. What did you do during lockdown when we couldn't go to restaurants? Um, the first few weeks, um, Alec, my partner, cooked. And he's very healthy, so it was sort of salads and sort of meats. And that was great. And then we discovered banana bread. Oh, tell me about <laughs> banana bread. <laughs> well, out of the blue, Alec learned how to make banana bread. And it was such a novelty. We ate it every single day. For a month, and now I can never look at another <laughs> banana bread ever again. You don't have I'm to. done. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you started with the comfort of your grandmother comfort, cooking yeah. for you, and so if I were to ask you the question that I ask at the end of every interview, which is, what is your comfort food? If you were feeling like life is tough, I've had a bad day, I've had a, I need, I need to eat something. Is there? A typical food that you would go to that would you just know if I have this, it would make me feel better. So many. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can tell us a few of them. It doesn't have to be one. It doesn't have to be but, one. But you know, I mean, it, it, something very simple, rice and beans and mm. chicken mm. or something mm. very, just really comforting because my grandmother would make whenever 
I wasn't feeling well. She loved you through probably many ways, but through food. Through food? Through food. I, my memories of her, just her cooking. Yeah. That's all I remember. It's wonderful. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.